Again, do you see the gold bead on your bracelet? This gold bead represents God. The Bible says that God is our holy creator, our righteous judge. He created us to glorify him and to live with him forever in heaven. Isn't that wonderful news? Let's go to the second bead. The second bead teaches us about man. The second bead is black. The black bead represents sin. And the Bible says that each of us have personally rebelled against God by sinning against his holy character and his law. Do you believe that's true? Uh, One of the ways God has uh, revealed his law to us is in the Ten Commandments. Uh, Can I ask you this? If you think back through your life, how many times do you think you've told a lie in your entire life? Have you heard the commandment, you shall, not tell, you shall not lie, you shall not bear false witness? Uh, if you're like me, you, I'm sure you can see that you've uh, told less than the whole truth, that you've lied in your lifetime, and that makes you a liar, a lawbreaker. Isn't that true? Have you ever stolen anything in your entire life? I ask you to think carefully about that. It, it's not the value of what you steal that is important. But the, uh, uh, even if you steal something small, that, that, that reveals the heart of a thief. And it's not uh, the value of what you steal that counts. And so we've broken another of God's laws. Did you know that when Christ was here, he lived as a man and he said this. He said that uh, if you look at another person with anger, he sees it the same as murder. Have you ever been angry with another person? Have you ever thought, thought so highly of yourself that you were willing to put another person down? Do you know Christ took it even farther? He said, if you call another man a fool, it's the same as murder in your heart. So having taken that brief look, I'm sure that your, your heart is the same as mine. In fact, the Bible says all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We were created in his image to bring him glory. When we lie... We say that God is a liar. Can you see that? We were created to glorify him. When we steal, we say that God is a thief. This is not true. God is true and faithful. He cannot lie. When we steal, we say God is a thief. God is not a thief. God owns everything. He is generous. He gives mercy and just even liars and thieves like you and me. So I'm sure you can see that uh, that sin, the Bible is right when it says that we have sin and that we have broken God's law. As a result, we have alienated ourselves from God and we have exposed ourselves to his righteous wrath. You see, when God punishes sinners, he does so righteously because he is a perfect judge. He does not wink at sin or turn his eye, his eye, a blind eye towards sin. He is a good judge who punishes every law broken. Uh, As a result, we've alienated ourselves from God and we we have exposed ourselves to his righteous wrath, which will banish us eternally to hell if we are not forgiven. The red bead represents the solution to this problem. God sent Jesus Christ, fully God and fully man, to live the life that we couldn't live. He lived without sin and to die the death that you and I deserve for our sins. The righteous died for the unrighteous, so that God might punish your sin in Christ and forgive it in you. 
My friends, my brothers and sisters, the only saving response to this good news is repentance and belief. You must repent of your sins, turn from your sin, and turn to God. Recognize Christ as the rightful ruler of your life and put your faith in Jesus Christ for forgiveness of your sin and reconciliation to God. The white bead, if you look at that, is, uh, represents how, how this is how when you respond in repentance and faith. When you respond that way, God sees you like this white bead, forgiven, pure, with no sin, because Christ has paid for your sin and removed that from your debt. It makes it possible for a sinner like you and a sinner like I to spend eternity with our righteous God. Finally, I'll turn to the green bead. The green bead represents the key to all of this. This key supplies the power that makes it all work. The green bead it represents the Bible, God's word, and the promised Holy Spirit that indwells every believer. The Bible is his inspired message to us, and he asks us simply to read it. The Bible says continually, some each day. The Bible also tells us to seek out a church that believes and teaches the Bible and to join that church and become part of that body of Christ. As you do this, the Holy Spirit will guide you and change your mind and create a new character in you. You will grow to recognize the sin in your life and how, God's, how great God's love is for you. As you read God's word, you will learn to hate your sin, the sin that you once loved, because it separates you from God. This is not by your own power. This is a gift of God for those who have repented of their sin and trusted in him. That green bead is where we're going to spend uh, the focus of our message today. Um, that growth, another word for it, a church word, is sanctification. It means the overcoming sin in our lives and uh, uh, living lives that more and more uh, reflect the life of Christ and also bring more and more glory to God. Uh, in a, in uh, as I, you see, when Christ died for your sins, He didn't just die to remove the penalty of your sins. He died as well to give you victory over your sin, to give you power over your sin, and so that you are no longer a slave to sin. Let's explore that together. Um, I want to um, speak of three different ways that. Uh, Christ ministers to us in this sanctification. First, there is the word. Uh, in John 1, verse 1, it says this, In the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God. In John 1, 14, just a little later in the chapter, we find out that that word has a name. And the word became flesh, and he dwelt among us. Can anybody think of his name? Do you know the name Emmanuel? It means God dwells among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. Um, I just want to uh, tell you a little more about this word. Uh, in Second in, um, Peter, if you'd like to turn there, Second Peter chapter 1, verse 16 to 21. Scripture says this, 
For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, the voice was born to him by the majestic glory. Does anybody know the name of the majestic glory? You can talk back to me today. We're friends. Don't be shy. (laughs) What's the name of the majestic glory? That's God. That's God. God speaking to us about his son. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven. For we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. To which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place. Until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. In that passage, we see that the Word is uh, uh, represented um, Christ as the Word embodied. We see that the Holy Spirit is the author of the Word, and we see God in his majestic glory in that passage as well. Um, whoever's running the overhead, have we got our, our foundation verse up there now? Romans fifteen fourteen. Um, well, I think if we just stick with this one, yes. Um, so I'd like to to uh, kind of explore this passage together, where it says, "I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers." That you yourselves are full of goodness. You are filled with all knowledge. And you are able to instruct one another. The first thing I want to, uh, to propose today is that goodness, that knowledge, and the ability to instruct one another all come from God's word. That's what he's left us. Uh, and um, with that, you are fully equipped to instruct one another. And we'll explore that theme as we go along. Now, we minister God's word to each other in uh, uh, several ways as church, as God has prescribed in his word, first by the preaching of the word. As our pastor teaches us uh, faithfully through the Bible, through all the verses of the Bible and all the books of the Bible, Um, we are built up as a church. Uh, He explains the Bible to us. The Bible says, by hearing his word, we are washed, we are changed. We also uh, study the Bible together. We meet Wednesday nights, have a Bible study together. Uh, We have Bible studies in our own home, among our families. We have personal Bible study, where we search into God's word, and by that, we, we meditate upon that word, we examine it, we memorize it, And it becomes part of who we are as God, through his Holy Spirit, reveals himself to us through his his word. I just want us to realize that today. Uh, Romans uh, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 say this. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good, acceptable and perfect. So you can see that God's word is the vehicle of ministry from God to you. 
I'd like to move now to the second way that God ministers to us. And this is not separate and apart, but closely entwined with the word is the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, listen to this from 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, verses 16 to 21. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you will also live. Now that's a mystery. Christ says he is leaving, but you will still see him. How can that be? Well, let me suggest an answer to you. Oh, Harley, did I miss a passage? No, I think we're okay. Um, John chapter 16, verses 13 and 14 say this. Am I going too fast? John chapter 16, verses 13 to 14. Here the Bible speaks of the Holy Spirit's ministry to us. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And what is Christ speaking of there? How does the Holy Spirit speak to us? Listen again. He says, he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Who is the word, the living word? Can you see the partnership between Christ and the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit carried men along to write the word. Jesus is the word manifest in the flesh. Can you see this? This is how we can see Christ and come to know him in his word. The beautiful thing about this message, folks, is that when we read God's word, it's not only for ourselves, but we can share God's word with others, with our workmates, our friends, with our wives and husbands, with our children, with our brothers and sisters. Folks, when we do that, when we point people to Christ's word, the Holy Spirit is the active agent in changing those people. Remember the green bead, the growth, the sanctification, the, the victory over sin, um, that is empowered by the Holy Spirit. And this is why uh, this is for Christians. Those that do not have the Holy Spirit cannot understand the Bible. They can change, but the change is not the change that uh, brings eternal life, that is glorifying to God. Uh, the Holy Spirit, in concert with the Word as we absorb it, changes us in very real ways. I want you to, to feel the realness of that today. That's my prayer. Let's look together a little farther on in John at chapter 16. John 16, verses 13 and 14. I need you to turn pages because it's getting hot in here. I need some gospel of grace air conditioning. John chapter 16, verses 13 and 14. When the Spirit comes, listen to this, when the Spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever, whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take that which is mine and declare it to you. Did I already read that? I think I did. Forgive me for that, folks. Uh, I'm going to um, 
Go to the next passage I have, Romans 8, Romans 8. Romans 8, verse 26. Listen to this passage. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what we pray as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Can you see the the, uh, Trinity working together again? The Holy Spirit according to the uh, the will of God. And we know that for those who have God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Um, This passage, folks, is is our hope. This is our assurance that uh, uh, we have a sovereign God who is is, um, controlling everything that happens in our lives. And it says here that for those who trust in him, for believers that all things are for the good, for those who are called according to his purpose. We turn to uh, Titus. I just want to fill out this understanding of the Holy Spirit. Titus chapter 3, verses 4 and 6. But when the goodness and loving kindness of our God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us. Not because of our works done by us in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out to us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. You'll see, this is the inheritance of the the children of God, this regeneration. The Bible says in other places that he takes our heart of stone and he gives us a new heart, a heart of flesh. It says other place in scripture um, that God gives us the desires of our heart. Have you ever thought about that passage? What he's teaching us is the desire that we used to have for sin. He gives us new desires. He gives us the will and the desire to, to, uh, to do what is glorifying to God instead of what glorifies ourselves. This is regeneration, renewal, the birthright of you, the body of the church. Um, and that leads me to the, uh, the third section of today's message. Folks, another way that the ministry is, is ministered to us in that effort of growth and sanctification is through the body of Christ, the church. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Verses 22. Verses 22. Ephesians 1, 22. Uh, Hear the word of God. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. What the concept I want to try and share today, Lord, uh, uh, friends, is that um, Christ manifests himself to us in the body of the church in a very real way. Um, the ministry of us to one another is Christ's ministry to us. You know when he said, I'm going away, but I will still be with you? That's what he's talking about. Has Christ ever put his arm around you? 
Do you know when one of your churchmates comes to comfort you? He is acting as the body of Christ. Has anyone of the church ever given you counsel from God's word? Helped you to see an error that in your thinking that, that uh, gives you the opportunity to change your, th- your thinking, to repent and believe the Bible? When that person gives you that counsel, he is speaking the very words of God through the lips of man. This is Christ manifest on earth in the flesh. Isn't that something? Um, I sure hope I haven't lost my place. (laughs) Excuse me. Let's go to another passage. This is Ephesians chapter 5. Just a little lower in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23. The first half of that verse says this. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body. What's his body? The church. And he himself is its savior. Ephesians 4.16 says this, From whom the whole body is joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow, that's think of the green bead, so that it builds itself up in love. Now, I'm going to, I I'm hope we can do an exercise together that will help us realize this. Do you know, a lot of this happens without you even knowing it. You go Sunday after Sunday, you hear sermon after sermon. If somebody asked you on Friday what the pastor talked about on Sunday, you go, oh, I'm not sure. And you wonder, is it doing anything? You know, is there any effect is it to this? Let me ask you this. And I really need you to participate, especially you, Laurel. No, but everybody. Mary, I need everyone to participate here. Tell me this. Think if you can think um, of a Bible verse that talks about any of these topics. Marriage. Put your hand up if you can think of a Bible that talks about marriage. Can you think of a Bible verse that talks about marriage? I need your hands up to let me know. Can you think of a Bible verse that tells us about parenting? Can you? Can you think of a Bible verse that talks to us about work? Can you think of a Bible verse that tells us how to deal with conflict? Can you? Can you think of a a Bible verse that tells us about truth and error? Can you? Can you think of a Bible verse that tells us about illness? A Bible verse that tells us about death? Folks, what we're talking about is life. We're talking about every aspect of life. Um, The Bible has a second name. Do you know what the Bible's second name is? It's a different way to say a second name. We actually call the Bible by its last name. What's its first name? The blank Bible. The Holy Bible. The word holy uh, has a meaning... uh, Of course, we know holy as being right and righteous and clean, those kinds of things. There's another meaning for for holy, which is a little deeper. It means that it is sufficient. 
that it is lacking nothing, that it is perfect. Uh, I propose to you that the Bible t- teaches us that in the, Bi- the word of God, in this Bible, is sufficient for every aspect of life. That uh, for us to know uh, how to live our lives in a way that pleases God and how to understand our lives, every aspect of life from death to birth, from parenting to work, how to understand sin, how to understand discipline, how to understand forgiveness and hope and joy. All of these things are contained in God's word. And those verses that you thought of in your mind uh, as we go through those different topics, those are the things that you can bring to each other. And in fact, you do bring to each other every time we gather as a church. When a person comes to you and says, how are you doing? You say, I'm having a problem at work. Your friend brings the wisdom of Scripture, the Bible verses of Scripture, the very Word of God to you, to your situation. And in that way, we are fully equipped to instruct one another. Um, That word instruct that is there is a word called nuthesis in chapter 15. That word is more than just instruct in the English sense. It also has an element of confrontation. In, in helping us see error in our lives, in particular, sin in our lives. And by helping us see where we are in error, where we are sinning, that opens the door to repentance. And repentance is the key to forgiveness of sin, but also victory over sin. So uh, there's also another context to this word, new thesis, and that is patience and gentleness. And it is in the context of love. All of those things are, you might notice them as the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Patience, gentleness, knowledge, love, kindness. Um, And these are the things that I see displayed in you, in the church, every time we come together. As you learn about each other, as you listen to each other, as you care about each other. Uh, understand today that you are fully equipped to instruct each other with the word of God, with the authority of God. And the Holy Spirit uses that word to effect real change in your lives. Um, I'd like to just add a couple of verses. When I, when I preach, I preach very rarely. And when I do, I'm very insecure. <laughs> My, uh, my way of, of dealing with that is to bring uh, as much scripture as I can to be sure that the points I'm making are scriptural. Let me just share a few with you. And if you're quick, you might be able to join me. Jude chapter 120 says this, But you, beloved, building yourselves up in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4 says this, uh, that we are being equipped, the saint, that the word equips the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Every time you learn more about the Bible, as you learn more about Christ, you are being built up, built up for a purpose, so that we can minister to the word, not only to the lost, but to each other. Second Timothy 3 says this, you, however, have followed my teaching, my contact, my conduct 
my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness. Can you see the living together and seeing each other's life expressed there? From whom, Ephesians 4.16 says this, From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Ephesians 4.29 says this, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion that it might give grace to those who hear. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 has this passage which echoes these thoughts, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Can you see this call to, uh, to build each other up and to counsel each other? Well, uh, let's, let's hear a couple more verses. Um, this one is... Uh, we are 2 Corinthians. Would you turn to this one with me? 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and on. I'll start in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. Do you see that word, any? With the comfort with which we ourselves have been comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction that has been experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God, who raised us the dead. He delivered us from deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. Brothers and sisters, I want you to realize, as Romans 15 teaches us, you are full of goodness. You are filled with all knowledge. You are able, with the all-sufficient Holy Scriptures and with the guidance, the instruction, the comfort, and the intercession of the Holy Spirit to overcome every sin and, and to be the parent, uh, the brother, the sister, the grandson, the child that God designed you to be, to be the workmate, to be the neighbor. You are able, through his word, you have been fully equipped through the ministry of his word, through the ministry of his Holy Spirit, and by your, uh, uh, the ministry of the church to you.
God's divine power has been granted to us for all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. So uh, that's, I pray that will be a blessing to you. I hope you will understand that uh, uh, as we study together, you are being fully equipped and we are growing in Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for, um, for this offer of forgiveness of sin, for this promise of regeneration, Lord, for washing in your word. Father, this promise to be built up in your word. Father, that when you left us, you did not leave us as orphans, but you gave us the Holy Spirit as our guide and our comforter. You gave us your, your word, Lord, that we might be equipped for everything. Father, you gave us this beautiful church, your body manifest, ministering to us with love and gentleness and wisdom. For this, we give you praise. And Lord, we pray that we will not look at ourselves and see ourselves as, as weak, as unfit, as powerless, without hope. Father, but that we realize that we have not only hope but assurance because we rest not in ourselves but in you. That our wisdom comes not from our own minds but from your word, your holy word. And that we are not taught by men but we are taught by your Holy Spirit so that these truths uh, can be grasped and owned by us as an inheritance as your children. Father, we do thank you today and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, we're going to have uh, uh, an offering at this point, and we'll have a closing song. So I wonder uh, if I could ask for a volunteer or two for offering. And we'll invite Stacy and Roger to give us a closing song. And I just want to make sure that our guests know that you are so welcome to join us. It's our, our tradition here as a church to uh, have a meal together, and we would love to uh, invite you to join us. Thank you. Let's uh, stand together again, and may this be our, uh, our prayer in light of what uh, Kevin, Kevin has shared as he opened God's word to us. Be the vision, O Lord.